Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Munzrider, and mysteriously not joined by Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. This week on the show, we're talking about Gizmo, Nike SB's female-focused full-length, plus American cities outside the mainstream and the scenes around them. An 18-minute video pretty much is full-length these days, and that was perfect runtime for Gizmo, Nike's first all-women's skate video. It's billed as an homage to Alyssa Steamer and a testament of what's to come. You think it measured up, Mike? Uh, before I answer that, I'm going to really just come out with uh, my one big criticism of it, which is my podcast for some damn name titles. In that video especially, and videos more broadly anymore, um, unless you're Ty Evans and you're going to have 50 scratch cut edits a la The Reason, um, I honestly want to know what the rationale is for not putting titles on skateboard videos because at this point it just seems like groupthink. Like you don't have to do it anymore. I, I, I don't know. Like hire an intern, put the titles in. Because with a video like Gizmo, where I'd say at least the first two skaters, the first two women, I'm not familiar with them. And then uh, you know, counting myself as, as as a somewhat fluent skate geek, like I think a lot of the more casual kids and or you know, a lot of the girls who I think this video might be targeted at, they ought to be able to know who's skating. Um, I guess on the t- on, on the titles question, you have anything to add to that, Templeton? Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I think titles are important, especially in a a branding sense. You know, like yeah. fans want to have a hero to look up to, and if I don't know who these people are, how can I follow them? You know, like Adidas made a whole documentary about Nora. So that everybody knows who she is, what her name is. They can follow her on Instagram. But with this video, it's like you got to work to figure out who's in it. Maybe the thinking is these videos are all on the internet. So you can look at the description to see who's in the video. But you still have to do some detective work to see who's who if you don't know who everybody is. But uh, right. yeah, I, I think you're right that it's like groupthink and people just feel like they don't have to do it anymore. And it can be a pain in the ass, but... There's only like a handful of people in this one, so it's not that many titles. Yeah, so um, actual gizmo thoughts. Um, Groundbreaking, obviously, just as far as like a major brand putting together an all-women video, all women and girls. Groundbreaking in that sense. And I think, you know, that's going to be its strongest suit. It's definitely a Nike video in that its production is fluid throughout the other offerings. Like after I finished gizmo last night, some Australian, you know, Aussie team video came on and it's like fluid with that. Yeah, it was groundbreaking in that it was a all women video. The skating was good. There's not a lot of groundbreaking skating that really comes out. You know it when you see it. Uh, but I enjoyed it just because like I want to see new people skateboarding. I want to see interesting people skateboarding. And I think the entire lineup I'd count as interesting. Yeah, I'd say I like Lacey Baker's part the most. I'm like a failed ledge skater at this point because I fell off like a long time ago. But I mean, she's a super solid ledge skater and always comes up with kind of that bouncy style where there's there's tricks that always surprise me. For instance, uh, surprise me just by how like floaty they are. So I'm never going to do a nose wheelie nollie flip but that one uphill nose manual flip out that she did at that new york spot like i want that 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 would almost almost make me think about really punishing myself to learn that trick i couldn't probably do it uphill but no that ship's probably sailed 
Yeah, she's got a mean nolly flip out of the nose manual, you know, up there with the best of them, I'd say, which I think is sick. It's funny that you were struggling with Lacey's last name. I feel like with all the girl skaters, you can just use their first name because there's not that many of them and they all have, or lots of them have interesting names, I guess. Or maybe maybe they're all just names. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, you can say Lacey, you can say Nora. Uh, you can't probably really say Sarah or Josie, um, who are the the two that opened the video that yeah. I've actually been been fans of for a while. I started following Josie on Instagram when she won the female Sodi in 2017, and I've been a fan of Sarah since I looked it up. This is about 2009 when her "Welcome to Bellows Skateboards" clip came out. Oh wow. Which yeah, it was like a super solid, like four minute video part of just this Swedish female ripping. Probably saw it on tackyworld.com, which was like the uh-huh. Scandinavian skate website. Shout out to those guys. I thought the the music was great. You know, I probably had that broadcast song and it definitely had Cannonball on my iPod at some point in my life. Uh-huh. I've been on a Susie. Susie? Susie? Susie and the Banshees kick as of late, like unrelated to this video. Um, it really chopped the hell out of that intro song, Dazzle. But yeah, it was still vibing on that. Good music throughout. Yeah, definitely great music supervision. I think it was a lot of like female-led music too, which I think it's a good call. I don't know. It it, it definitely had a good good feel apart from the Nike video. Still, like I was saying, like related production-wise, drone-wise, it was slick. I almost, in a way, I almost wish it was a little less slick or at least a little less related to the rest of the nike productions and maybe that's just part and parcel with like the same dudes being involved with it but uh i understand as a brand the choice that you're gonna make it in line with the production of your other stuff at the same time i was kind of i i now that i think about it more i was expecting or i was hoping for something different just something to differentiate it but not disappointed by any means yeah something different would have been nice it definitely felt like it followed the skate video formula very closely. It makes me compare it to other skate videos, which I think kind of does it a disservice because I'm comparing it to all the dudes out there making skate videos who've you know, had a lifetime of advantage in the skate world and have a uh-huh. lifetime of people to look up to and everything. So it would have been nice if, the, if it was something different. I don't know what that is, so it's hard to you know, level too much criticism in that direction. But it would have been nice if it felt a lot different. And maybe that would have, could have come from a different person at the helm. Maybe a female. (laughs) You know, a a lot of guys in the credits. I I did not do like a scientific survey, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, anybody involved on the production end was a dude. Lacey Baker had had a Thrasher interview that I either posted today or yesterday. So went up. Wednesday, but I, I forget the what the, what the question was. I think it was about you know how nice it was to work with Tyler Smolinski. She said, "quote We need women filmers. I want to work with women for the rest of my life." Yeah, I mean, I I, I only really had time to watch it once, and know that I was watching the credits like a hawk, just being like, "Okay, you've you've got an all women video. Everybody in it is one thing, but who on the back end of the project was also a woman?" And, I think that's that's skateboarding broadly is is something yet to come just because as you were kind of saying there's there's not precedence for this 
Um, and if I have like one other thought before turning it back to you, like what does set this video apart is that it's like for women and girls skateboarding, it's, it's a really wide angle take on it. Just in that, like, you know, you had Raisa Liao, an 11 year old Brazilian girl who just rips. She's the one, uh, we might remember a couple years back who was in a fairy costume dress and heel flip the stairs. She's got a mean heel flip. And then it's also got Alyssa Steamer, a 40-something from Florida, who I think it's fair to say is probably the most prolific. If not prolific, that's probably not the right word, but she is... Most influential? Most influential is probably right. Yeah, it's hard to... I mean, it's hard to place. And saying anyone in whatever categorization you want to choose, saying anyone is the best X, Y, or Z is impossible as i think you know we know just from our most random conversations you know the best backside power slide well that's obvious rob welsh but uh yeah it's it it just showed a full scope of like women in skateboarding that was cool you go to the skate park and you can skate with 11 year olds and you can skate with women and you know people from a variety of backgrounds but videos don't always reflect that Watching the video, I, I was thinking of people who haven't had, you know, a lot of exposure just to people like them in skateboarding. And so I think if you're, you know, a girl who's just picked up a board and maybe is a little discouraged at the skate park, like, this is important. And in that respect, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I think this video helps carve out a space for females, women and girls at the skate park or skating. Uh, I think it's rad that it's almost all street. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that a lot of the girls skating that I see is skate park based, which, you know, we all agree, hopefully, that park skating is an inferior form of skateboarding. <laughs> so it's it's good to see the girls out in the street doing what is uh, the pinnacle of skateboarding, I guess. Right. Or doing skateboarding right. <clears throat> yeah. I saw in, in that new Thrasher, the intro to the article about Gizmo, said that it was going to be an all-female, all-street video. But I guess uh, Nicole Haas backside aired her way in. Hey, Stillwater, Minnesota. Same hometown as Clint Peterson. I got, no, I'm a fan of Nicole. She's, I've actually never met her, but uh, she's rad. Watch yourself, Templeton. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's good. I, I think that there was a place for her in the video. Not that we would have noticed her absence, but I think that it's probably good for her to be there to represent for uh, the ramp skaters out there. And she's somebody who's kind of on the rise as a, a known name in skateboarding. So it'd be kind of maybe a slap in the face to leave her out. Right, right. I think probably have to look it up, but uh feels like there's there's probably multiple Olympians in that video, which is another cool space. For women in skateboarding, probably one of the one of the stronger suits of its inclusion in skateboarding. I know. Uh, I think I just think Lacey Baker as an Olympian who's going to be seeing the world over as someone representing our our fair country. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm proud of that. I'm proud that skateboarding has Lacey Bakers and all us other wonderful weirdos to to show off. Maybe a tangent, and I, I I'm not as flight at googling as I'd like to be. Uh, to see if Nicole House is on there too, but I don't remember her being an Olympian, but I do co-sign your point that there's a lot of Olympians in this video or possible Olympians. 
possible Olympians. I'd, I'd, I'd have a hard time thinking that uh, Letitia is not. I don't think there's another Brazilian female nipping at her heels. Not so. exactly. I think that she's, <laughs> she's a, a shoe-in for the podium, I think. You know, things can, things can change in a year. Fair, fair. Yeah, they're, they're still qualifying. Um, I did Google it. Nicole House, an Olympian. Nice. Women's park skateboarding team. So there we go. Did did we uh to really get into the minutia of skateboard videos, uh Letitia, too much of a gym rat. Trust. Yeah, I'm I'm not feeling the fits. And you know, in Mike's defense, this is mine uh he's reading off my notes for the episode. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't like it when skaters look like athletes. You know, I've I've said this publicly on Twitter on a number of occasions in reference to Nija with the compression tights and whatnot. It just, you know, skateboarding, it's not just about what you do. It's how you do it and how you look when you do it. And I don't think the athlete look is a good look, you know, kind of looks like you're trying too hard and skateboarding is about looking cool. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, there's, there was a certain, I'm trying to think if I saw your notes and I went in with the pre preconceived notion or if, you know, I just, came to the point independently but yeah it does look like gym gear and the same i mean it's basically her and nija who kind of have that like straight up workout i'm sure i mean it's all function over fashion but there's kind of like a an anonymity to it you know it's like coming to a skate park contest in minneapolis and there's another kid from western wisconsin wearing a bones wheels shirt does that analogy hold up it's like he got one package and he's just, you know, anonymously wearing that gear. You'd never know him from anybody else. I, I feel like that like gray and black Nike SB uh, ensemble frequently worn by Buffoni, you know, just, just doesn't stand out. There's a lot of interesting gear, a lot of cool pants and a lot of just, uh, yeah, more interesting fits, more, more better fits than what Letitia was wearing. But uh yeah, I, I liked her footage in there. I, I like she's a charger for sure. And there were also uh, some some photos of her for I think it was either the Lon London or Paris premiere. She was just raging too, and it's like, yeah, okay, I can see that in her personality. I think, uh, yeah, I forgot who posted them, but yeah, just going off shows in her skating. She'd probably be pretty damn fun to to spend a night on the town with. Probably get you into trouble. Interesting. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think it might have been Nicole House's Instagram where it's just like party bus, Letitia screaming. Kind of like, oh, that, that could be a fun crew to hang out with. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I I saw some premiere photos and I thought it was interesting that Leticia is the only one who got dressed up. Everybody else yeah. kind of dressed like they came from skating and Leticia's got like a... Um, all I could really see was her trench coat, but you could just tell that she was done up a little bit. Which more power to her. I mean, I'm, it makes sense to get dressed dressed up for something special like a video premiere. It's just out of the norm for skateboarding, and I'm all about breaking norms. But I just personally don't like the gym rat look in my skateboarders. I remember when Nora got on Adidas shortly after Adidas did a commercial. There wasn't a skate commercial, but they had Nora in it in workout gear. And I was like, oh, no, they're, like, going to make her into an athlete. Uh -huh. But thankfully, they backed away from that. And we get Nora in her various shades of purple and 
rugby right. shirts and stuff, which is, you know, way cool, I think. I am definitely a little, little envious of Nora's kit game in general. Should point out that she, uh, it was that Swatch ad that I, that I referenced as, a, as an item I was stoked on last week where she wore the Adidas tracksuit, which is also on brand, well, for both her and Adidas. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Nora's fits are probably both more our speeds. Can't leave out some talk about Alyssa Steamer. I think it's great that she was in that video, aside from the fact that we can't get more footage of her in high top Adidas superstars. I mean, she's been like a fashion icon as far as I'm concerned since Welcome to Hell. That part came out. Tongues and TSA t-shirts and, and good baggy pants. Like, what did, what did you think of her um, in the video? And just like more generally, I mean, she's back on Baker, back with a board sponsor, featured heavily in a video. I think it's it's all do her way. And I think it just, you know, when someone has as much seeming integrity i don't know her so i can't i can't say for sure but like never put out anything that was whack always seemed on point just always seemed like someone you wanted to skate with so yeah what were your thoughts yeah Alyssa seems great she's a great skater i think a super smart pickup for nike to get female skateboarding's biggest living icon i thought her part that's was... the way we needed to put it earlier by the way <laughs> <laughs> well we got there eventually I felt like the skating was good. I mean, she's certainly uh, not in her welcome to hell prime, but that's fine. You know, like we've got Leticia and the others to do the heavy lifting. Right. I think with Alyssa, we're just in that phase like we are with Rick Howard and so many other 90s favorites is we just want to see them skate. Right. You know, they've, they've proven themselves. They don't have to, you know, one up themselves. We just want to see you guys skate. Makes us feel good. And yeah, it felt good to see Alyssa skate. I'll, I'll, and, I'll give her, I'll give her props, props for the Eric Ellington shove off the ledge on on that switch front nose to to end it out. That was very Ellington esque with the uh, hands on the ledge. Yeah, she mentioned I it, it in Thrasher. I don't remember what interview, but she mentioned that she's gonna have some footage in the Baker video. So uh, maybe this is just an appetizer for bigger hammers. Or just more Alyssa in the Baker video, which should have a lot of guys in it that we kind of just want to see skate. Totally. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully some more San Francisco footage from Steamer. Just because, frankly, I don't think of a lot of the folks in Gizmo. I don't think of them pushing around perfect Chinese plazas or anonymous Australian spots. Yeah, yeah. If I had if I had one other thing about that video, and maybe it's what made me think it was such a Nike production, was that the spot seemed kind of anonymous in there. Just that like China, where I, well, some of some of the Australia, some of like the newer Barcelona, way western peninsular Europe, like some of those spots, they don't evoke a place for me. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it kind of strips some personality from the skaters. You know, it's always rad yeah. to see a skater in their natural environment probably just a, a function of how the video was made there were only two filmers listed so yep. there's no clips that somebody got out skating with their homie at home yeah so the video kind of lacked it lacked a feeling of place which means that the skaters lose a sense of place with that in mind this week originally i wanted to say i was stoked on nick matthews pavement part which was up on the thrasher site last week very chicago illinois focused video part with some new york and la clips 
um, sprinkled within. But that got me thinking just about places in skateboarding, mostly American city places that might not be as visible as we would think or, you know, places that are kind of unlikely. And so that's our next topic. Yeah. And in Chicago, with regard to Nick Matthews part is kind of a, I've always been interested in it because even, you know, I'm in Minneapolis, which is eight hours away. I mean, Chicago's, I think it's the third largest city or maybe the fourth largest city in the nation behind like somewhere in Texas, LA and New York city. But what always got me about Chicago was that it wasn't pumping out skaters and it wasn't, it didn't seem like a destination for people. But now between that Nick Matthews part with the deep dish crew and, you know, that cast of thousands is doing, and uh, we have to mes- mention to the Chazasance, which is like what Chaz Ortiz is doing as like a seemingly unsponsored dude, just living in Chicago and putting out really good footage. Um, yeah. Wanted to talk about just cities and their places in skateboarding, why some are popular, why some aren't, how they rise and fall. Templeton, I know you're in Portland Portland, off the top of my head, doesn't seem like it should necessarily be the most popular hotspot that it actually is. I mean, going back to the Burnside groundbreaking days. So what are your thoughts on Portland? Yeah, it's weird. Portland, it's kind of become a skateboarder retirement community. I think the the legendary skate parks give Portland kind of a, a mystique in the mind. Most of the skate parks here are uh, trash because these are the places <laughs> where the skate park builders learned how to build skate parks. So we've got okay. lots of skate parks with lots of flaws. But I think just the legend of those parks draws people in. We've got Nike and Adidas headquarters here. So that draws pros for their post skate career jobs <clears throat> working in the industry. So that kind of draws people in. It's just beautiful here. I'm not a native, moved to this area like five years ago. Just because the skating seemed good, close yeah. to nature, uh, Pacific Northwest is really beautiful, even with the nine months of rain. So yeah, well, that Portland, seems like the biggest factor as far as like how is it, it, it? It's a hotbed of skateboarding despite those nine months of rain. Yeah, or is there something else that makes it work? Yeah, the weather is weird because yeah, nine months out of the year we're chased indoors, skating parking decks or private indoor skate parks, which we just lost uh, the grotto, Silas Baxter okay. Neal's private skate park. So that, that's a major loss that we're going to really feel come October when the, when the rain settles in. But yeah, it's weird because I was kind of in preparation for this topic. I was thinking about other cities and I was like, oh, weather's, weather's a big factor. You know, you've got places like Phoenix and places in Florida that have great scenes. And that's, I was like, oh, because great weather you know california's got the great weather so you can skateboard all the time and that's why the industry is there but maybe the industry is there because that's where the surf industry is and that's you know skateboarding was kind of an offshoot of the surf industry back in its um infancy uh but yeah i've skated chicago once and it was super awesome and i've I've always kind of wondered the same thing like why isn't chicago a bigger deal somebody i skated with in Chicago said that it's just such a bust. You know, all those plazas are just, you know, you get a couple tries and then you got to move on. But maybe that's not the case. I feel like I've been seeing a lot more Chicago coverage lately. So I I, I tried to break in there. (laughs) When you said, why isn't it a bigger deal? 
And I, I actually, for Ride Channel a couple years back, I tried to tried to write a reported piece. Like, I think the headline was, why isn't Chicago a bigger deal in skateboarding? Or something along those lines. And then when they pulled the plug on that Ride Channel site that sat there for like nine months on, on the front page and just kind of became, I know Quarter Snacks had a little bit of fun with that. But yeah, that, that, was, that was the feeling. It's a bust. I know some of the dudes kind of wanted to keep it a secret. I remember after that thing came out, talking to a buddy from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee and Chicago are both on Lake Michigan. And Milwaukee's an hour, hour and a half drive from the Windy City. And uh, yeah, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, the Milwaukee buddy was like, yeah, like Chicago was the North Korea of skateboarding. Like you weren't getting in. Nobody was coming out. Like they kept their shit a secret. Also, people told me that they've, they've lacked, they have a house of vans now, but for a long time they lacked an indoor spot. And I think when you don't have the weather to really make it easy to, to really have stuff on a day-to-day basis, like that's the difference maker. You know, you have to have something central. Uh, I read that Nick Matthews Thrasher interview that went with his video part. And he mentioned growing up at a skate park called Crush that I want to say was like, 45 minutes an hour outside of Chicago proper down in the suburbs and a lot of a lot of the people that were named in the intro the, the meandering intro to this topic um came out of the indoor parks that more recently existed in the Chicago suburbs so I think that's a that's a real important factor yeah in places where the weather is bad there's got to right. be an indoor park for a scene to to thrive your scene just can't hibernate for the winter and be strong for the rest of the year i think also a scene needs to have something to coalesce around to be strong you know a shop or a video project or some somebody who's like the ringleader who's doing things yeah yeah i feel like a lot of times that's the filmer who's getting people together organizing trips putting out edits i think uh i became aware of your scene mike through Benji Meyer and his his work probably saw like a trailer for Weekend Warriors on like post 22 or something and then you know started poking around and became aware of all you guys so I, I feel like a scene needs somebody like that yeah I mean Meyer actually like 2019 is the the anniversary of one of the well the first video that really kind of was like a complete Minneapolis skateboard scene video came out 20 years ago and Benji was the guy who made that you know, there have always been people like Steve Nesser here and others, Rob Cece, who works for Nike now, but like guys who always just wanted to be in the mix and make shit happen. You know, Benji Meyer was always a guy who was just down to go sit in the gutter, get the footage, put out the video. And like in the early, early, well, late 19, 1999 to 2001, I think he put out three videos, one a year. And, uh, you know, we always had our indoor skate park sections um but it was it was always one montage out of like eight and the rest was street footage and um yeah having having those projects that you want to work on having the facilities to do at least some of it and like that's that's huge you need people that stir the pot yeah you need people that want to do stuff and especially here where we've had we've been really lucky to have a good scene because you look at you know, places that maybe aren't as big, but have similar weather situations. Like this doesn't exist everywhere. And so one of my, one of my ongoing gripes is when 
when people talk shit on folks who are doing something, be it a be it a skateboard party, be it a video, be it whatever, because it's it's always easier to talk shit than to actually do something, and and it shows just in in the health of scenes elsewhere. But is it Richmond where Gilbert Crockett and the bus crew are? are located out of like i've seen some web presence about that but you're from that neck of the woods like what can you what can you say about those dudes yeah richmond is a city that i've skated a number of times it was like an hour and a half from where i used to live in virginia so we'd go up there uh every once in a while i'd skate with jason sometimes and it's like the bus crew makes it look so much better than it is <laughs> I, I'd say I'd say that's probably a like true of any good crew of any city. But continue. Yeah, I think you're right. But those guys work really hard, and it's it's super inspirational to me. They've got a super strong shop in venue, which um, went by another name for a long time. Um, it's called then, Venue. Yeah, Venue is the name of the shop. I think the Venue guys helped Gilbert Gilbert Crockett in the beginning. You know, they were an early sponsor of his. Uh, and he's continued to support them, which I think is super rad. So just that scene is super strong, even without super rad skate spots around. I mean, they're an hour and a half from Washington, D.C., which is probably one of the best skate cities in the world. But the bus crew scene seems even better than a D.C. scene. I mean, I don't I don't really see a big D.C. crew with that kind of a presence. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like pit crew, I don't think they were D.C. proper but this is probably another factor that we can, you know, put into our little skate scene equation. Like it seems like pit crew must have shut down within the past four or five years without looking it up. Do do people lose some gas when when that skate shop hub goes away? Yeah, pit crew shut down uh, not too long ago. That was in Maryland. There was a shop called okay. Alice Five that was in DC proper, and I think that shut down even before pit crew did so yeah i think lacking a shop um definitely hurts but i think also there wasn't a strong media person in dc Mm. with bus crew that's like a central clearinghouse for richmond skateboarding um or for that crew and they're prolific and i know tons of dudes are ripping hard on dc but there's just not any central clearinghouse for that footage um, right and nobody's presenting it in a way that's i don't know getting you stoked on dc some friends of mine were did a series called Alley Bar, and that was rad. But that never was anything out like super huge. I, I would share it on uh, the Skateboard Mag website when I still worked there because Bobby Warris would have a few clips in it. But um, it, you, you, it was you could make a case for your nepotism. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't afraid to use my standing to help out the homies and push something that I liked that maybe didn't really belong. That's I, I, now that we're building like our little this this equation that adds up to thriving scenes or at least scenes that you know about or are thinking about like hey sometimes having the connect that updates the website for the skateboard mag that's another factor you know well it does i mean it goes back to people that are that are wanting to be in the game and willing to willing to do it paid or otherwise yeah there's got just got to be some consistency you know a place where you know if i follow bus crew i know i'm going to see richmond footage at least once a week probably more yeah i I think it, it really hinges on the media whether it be from a skate shop or from a filmer or photographer or something because that's how that's how we learn what's out there is through the media yeah media inconsistency just thinking about uh 
I don't, I'm not sure if anybody actually knows the proper way to speak the website's name. I always called it Yskate. I've always also heard it called Wiskate, as in WisconsinSkate.com. Uh, it's out of Milwaukee. My internet friend, who I who who I see once every couple of years in the real life, uh, Josh Ellis has been doing that site since the late '90s, which frankly is incredible to me. But you know. He's gone through like two or I, I'd say it's fair to say two or three generation of Milwaukee Milwaukee skaters where <laughs> they stay the same age. He gets a little bit older and he, you know, shoots videos with them, is, you know, provides a forum with the website for photographers who are shooting stuff in the scene. You know, Milwaukee's not pumping out a ton of sponsored dudes. I mean, Greg Lutzka is probably the highest profile guy. Lutzka's on the wane to be sure, but at least in my neck of the woods, I'm always thinking about those guys because they have that consistent, consistent presence through that website. Yeah, I mean, my God, Y Skate, which is what I call it, is incredible. You know, like to be doing that for so long, so consistent, and the level of skating has always been so high. You know, from Greg Lutzka back in the day, I remember you know downloading quick time files of greg lutzka doing like a 270 back lip on a five stair handrail <laughs> you know he was riding for illenium at the time and just being like fucking so stoked and now now they've got max murphy who's also next level good yeah shout out y skate for being awesome for so long it, it, it occurred to me when i was trying to think of how i think i found benji meyer's work it's probably a link from Yskate, not Post 22, since Post 22 okay. is probably uh, a lot farther removed from Minneapolis. But Post 22 is another one of those scene websites that grew that scene far bigger than it really deserved to be. You know, like hmm. North Carolina is pretty small potatoes, but Justin Brock came out of that scene. You know, he's not. I remember those clips on Post 22 and those montages, like 360 flips over full-size street gaps and uh yeah i mean dude must have been in his teens like middle teens when that stuff was coming out because he's not that old relatively yeah, he was, speaking he was a, a young kid doing big things for that time and uh james who ran post 22 he was a kid too and he was like mm -hmm. on the forefront of skate media i remember like Crail tap would link to post 22 edits and i always kind of imagined that james would go on to do big things in the skate industry he ended up just staying in north carolina and doing cool things there but um mm -hmm. yeah i think he was like he was certainly the inspiration for a lot of skate websites you know in my time writing sclogs for the skateboard mag almost every scene website i wrote about cited post 22 as an inspiration yeah we might be dipping too far into um definitely a potential future topic of the skateboard internet or at least the evolution thereof so maybe just back to more on the question of just like, yeah, I guess we've covered a lot of a lot of cities that are perhaps, what was the phrase you used, more visible than they maybe ought to be. But I think that is, you know, like a positive thing to say about them, just in that there's people working to make them visible. Maybe as my headphones start losing juice, um, what are some cities that you wonder, like, why don't I see more from it or why don't... I know more about it, or why don't they get as much visibility as they used to? Uh, I've always thought Texas cities, I mean, Houston is huge, Dallas is huge, Austin is huge, 
there's got to be tons of skate spots out there. Um, I'm surprised there's not more. There was, a long time ago, there was a website called Four Duos that covered uh, uh, Texas pretty it. well. Yeah, and it seems like nobody really came from those scenes. I think Josh Kalis lived in either Dallas or Houston for a second, but that was, you know, one of his many stops by way of, what, Michigan. And I think yeah. Lenny and Kirk Chicago. is out of Houston. Yeah, yeah. Lenny yeah, Kirk a, is originally a, from North Carolina, and yeah, I think he spent uh, some time in Texas, too. Yeah, like, I think Houston, of all of them, like, if I if I got Chicago wrong in its ranking of American cities by size or population or however you want to do it, I think Houston is the next biggest. And, like, I do remember the Southside Skate Park checkout, excuse me, spot check in 411, and we watched that a thousand times and picked up random slang from it, and, uh, you know, guys like Jason Womack <laughs> come to mind for like what Houston could put out. And there's a uh, there's that like three and a half stair up, five stair down that has that has appeared in various clips. Like I think Kalis did a 180 up switch frontside big spin heel flip down, and one of those like 10 year old clips. Yeah, Houston, giant place. You'd think there's more visibility, and it wouldn't be just like a stop on King of the Road that's kind of anonymous or like you know, random clips in the summer tour video. Where else beyond Texas are we thinking of? Uh, like, Salt Lake City is a big place that seems like it has a lot of potential skate spots. Um, but I think the weather is probably a big factor for somewhere like Salt Lake. What else? Yeah, I, th- I feel like you'd get into, like, a consistent enough bad weather, but not consistent enough bad weather for really anybody to drop the money into an indoor spot i think you get into like a like a goldilocks an anti-goldilocks range where it's bad enough that it messes with your skating but it's not bad enough to motivate anybody to make anywhere to skate well i think with utah the snow is good so all the skaters yeah. just snowboard in the winter time and they don't they can get their jollies that way fair enough you, you, you had you had another place Oh, I was just trying to think. I mean, Phoenix scene is good, you know, like that's another fair weather place. They have a ton of skate parks, but it does seem like people made that a place. As yeah, the you scene know. there seems really strong and really bonded, I think. Yeah, probably hits a, lot of, hits a lot of the pieces on that equation we've been building as far as like media people a website. I don't know how how active Skate AZ is anymore, but you know, I remember looking at that a ton back in, well, back in the heyday of skateboard internet, really, prior to Instagram. They got good shops, Cowtown. They have the parks. They don't really need the indoor parks, but some of our some of our Twitter friends are at the indoor park anyways. Yeah, they seem like the full package down in Phoenix. And it's huge. Stupidly big. They're not running out of any spots anytime soon. Yeah, sprawling. I think the skateboard mag gave Phoenix scene of the year one year. Uh, yep. I think we know what, what scenes we are stoked on at this point in time. Uh, I think I, I think I'm looking at the notes, and it looks like you're stoked on uh, probably probably a, a place associated with a less than thriving skate scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? Uh, I'm stoked on the, the HBO miniseries uh, Chernobyl which also has an accompanying podcast. It's a little bit depressing, but it's super well made. And I'm sure there are tons of 
really sick skate spots in the Chernobyl exclusion zone, but uh, not not quite worth the risk given all the radioactivity. But is definitely it check out a documentary or is it no? Fiction? It's a fictionalized telling of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. The first episode is like you know a retelling of the actual event of the nuclear disaster and each episode kind of gets a little farther and a little farther out and it deals with the the reactions of the people on the ground like in the plant when it exploded and the people who were sent in to kind of clean up the mess and the political upheaval around it super interesting i was six years old when it happened so i was like Mm -hmm. aware that like a thing happened but now kind of learning about it as an adult it's pretty crazy so highly recommend that. Uh, Mike, what are you stoked on? Well, originally I was going to be stoked on Chicago skateboarding just being uh, seemingly on the come up because like I think we both agree, it's a really awesome place to skateboard. Those downtown plazas are everything that you you seem to see them being on video. Uh, yeah, so that said, I'm stoked on that. I am also stoked on the camp hammock that was an impulse buy a week or two ago at REI when I had some time to kill. Yes, I bought a camping hammock. I wasn't even sure if I had enough trees close enough together in the backyard to string it up. I did. My uh, almost three-year-old daughter loves the thing. Word to the wise, if you get in a camping hammock with a toddler, it's mostly a wrestling match. I think Big L said it's like, uh, God, wrestling a gorilla in a phone booth. That is what I liken it to. You get out of the thing and you're sore and maybe you got kicked in the nuts. Maybe you strained uh, strained an oblique muscle. Like, yeah, every time I get in that thing, my daughter kicks my ass. She also loves it. I, I did try to sleep in it the other night. Like, my back was sore after skating and also picking up toddler all day. And uh, I was convinced I was going to sleep in it. I went to bed like 10.45 Excuse me. I went to hammock about 10:45 in the backyard. I made it till midnight. I woke up. There were too many weird noises. We lived by train tracks. I heard my neighbors. It will happen by the end of summer, 2019. Well, I've always <laughs> been concerned about my back sleeping in a hammock. Like, is that gonna make my neck hurt? Like sleeping like that, cradled? I don't know. Maybe maybe it would fix me. Uh, See, I, I, I'm, I'm maybe, maybe I carry my stress in my lower back because I tend to lock that thing up sometimes. So maybe the hammocks, maybe the hammocks, the next thing, the next big thing for you. And since we were talking about regional things, and maybe I'll end on this note. Moved up to Minnesota when I was like ten years old, nine, ten years old, and it blew my mind because certain Minnesotans call hammocks hammocks. Weird. Uh, I've never heard that. Hammock. That's a very interesting uh, regional regional dialect. Um, well, that about wraps up the show. Uh, unfortunately, Jason never joined us, but according to the notes, this week he's stoked on King Diamond, grilling, and as always, venture trucks. If you want to keep up with the show uh, after you listen... You can find us online. Mike, where can the people find you? I am <clears throat> on both Twitter and Instagram at M Munzenreiter. Where are you at, Mr. Uh, uh, Ed Templeton? <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter 
at mostly skate uh, on Instagram, impersonating Ed Templeton in the DMs at mostly skateboarding. You can find Jason on Twitter. I think his handle is Carbonite Carbonite ninety four, and on Instagram at Frozen Carbonite. I think. Um, you can find links and other show notes at mostlyskateboarding.net and uh, we'll see you next week to talk about whatever's happening in skateboarding.